This week marks three big budgetary issues for Joe Biden, and he's got a problem on every single one of them. Plus, Biden continues to slander Border Patrol. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your data from big tech with the VPN I trust. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, you may have noticed that the Biden administration continues to want to blow out the budget. Now would be an excellent time for you to diversify at least a little bit into something that has never been worth zero. I'm talking about precious metals. Of course, you can see it at the pump, the grocery store, and construction costs. Another month of the highest inflation in, what, 15 years? Another month where that paper money you're carrying around is worth less. So what is your plan to protect your savings? You have homeowner's insurance in case of a fire. What insurance do you have in place if inflation sets in further and pushes prices even higher? My insurance plan, gold and silver for my friends over at Birch Gold Group. If you haven't reached out to Birch Gold to diversify your IRA or 401k into a precious metals IRA, do it today. Text Ben to 474747. Get a free information kit on protecting your savings with gold. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers. Talk to them, have them help you safeguard your retirement savings. Text Ben to 474747 to claim your free, no-obligation information kit on holding gold and silver in a tax-sheltered account. Again, text my name, Ben, to 474747. Take the first step in protecting your savings today. Again, text my name, Ben, to 474747 to get started. Alrighty, so Joe Biden is facing down the possibility of a failed presidency, a fully failed presidency, and we are approximately nine months in to his presidency at this point. On every front, he faces crisis. Specifically this week, he faces a serious crisis on the domestic front, on the domestic financial front. This is the place where he was supposed to excel. He can't get his party together. And that is because he is not governing the way that he said that he would be governing. Uh, A lot of presidents come into office thinking that their mandate is broader than what their actual mandate is. In 2004, for example, George W. Bush won re-election and he said, well, I'm now the decider and I'm going to push social security privatization. It was actually a good plan, but... Social security privatization was not what he had a mandate for. He tried to push it. It backfired. And his presidency was basically lame duck from the beginning of 2005 and on. Well, Joe Biden is another president who is like this. He is elected on the basis of being a moderate, of not being Bernie Sanders. And now he's trying to govern like Bernie Sanders in every possible way, apparently. And it has backfired on him in spectacular fashion. We're getting Bernie Sanders without all of the avuncular charm of the grouchy old man shouting at the moon. Now we just have a grouchy old man mumbling into his soup. So it really has not worked out well for Joe Biden, which relegated him over the weekend to basically mumbling on about what a tough hand he had been dealt at the beginning of his presidency. Here was Joe Biden over the weekend. Take a look at what I inherited when I came into office, when I came into office, the state of affairs and where we were. We had four million people vaccinated. We had no plan. We had I mean, I could go down the list. So, uh, you know, part of it is dealing with the panoply of things that were landed on my plate. I'm not complaining. It's just a reality. Um, You are complaining, and also you're a liar. Okay, so I said this right after the election. Joe Biden was the luckiest man ever to inherit the presidency. The reason for this is because he didn't campaign. He wasn't alive. He was campaigning against the most unpopular politician in modern American history. He basically won the presidency on the basis of being a dead body. And he was inheriting the end of a pandemic, vaccines that worked, an economy that had been going great guns before the artificial coma of the pandemic itself, which was not caused solely by the pandemic, but largely by government policy in response to the pandemic. A baseline of massive spending had already been set up for him. There's no president who's inherited a situation more likely to succeed than Joe Biden. We're at a low ebb. 
It was like when Barack Obama took over and he could look at the fact that we had a stagnant economy and we had just faced this major financial crisis. And he could say that anything that happened from here on in was him and everything bad was his predecessor. Joe Biden basically had the same ability. He was going to get this natural rebound in economic growth. Everybody knew that it was going to happen. A natural rebound that should have lasted at least a couple of years. Joe Biden was going to get the benefit of vaccines he did not develop and had nothing to do with developing. He was going to get the benefit of a foreign policy that not only had produced no major wars over the course of the last four years, but also had started producing actual peace agreements in places like the Middle East. Right? What Joe Biden inherited was actually one of the greatest hands any president has ever inherited. He inherited a, a pro problems that already had solutions to them. And he, as always with his career, he could jump in front of the parade that was already moving without him, stand in front with the baton and pretend that he was leading the thing. And he was really lucky. But somehow he has blown all of that. And the reason he has blown all of that is because he has decided to pursue radical policy on nearly every front. And not just that. When you pursue radical policy and also you are perceived as both incompetent and senile, that is never a good look. And by the way, when I say he is perceived as incompetent and senile, not by me only. I mean, yes, but also by apparently the American public. A majority of Americans now say that President Biden is not mentally sharp, according to a new poll from Pew Research Center. The survey, which, other, which like other polls, shows Biden's overall approval rating sinking, found that just 43% said the phrase mentally sharp describes him either very well or fairly well. An 11-point drop from the same poll in March. 56% then said that the phrase describes him, well, 56% now say the phrase describes him as not at all well or not too well. This was his worst showing in any of the personal characteristics surveyed. So nearly 6 in 10 Americans say that he is not mentally sharp. The other four in 10 Americans are not mentally sharp themselves, apparently, because I'm, I'm wondering what are the symptoms of being mentally sharp if you are Joe Biden? And all of this just underscored what was going on with Joe Biden's crisis underscores him personally. And this is what I say about the difference between a gaffe and actual political crisis. A gaffe is where you say something stupid. A political crisis is where you say something stupid and underscores your entire political program. If you are on the verge of being perceived as senile and incompetent, and then you pursue a bunch of policy that makes no sense. It's just going to underscore your personal characteristics, senile and incompetent. And that's what's happening with the American public right now. So this means that this week matters an awful lot to Joe Biden. This is basically a make or break week for Joe Biden in the financial sphere. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about a simple fact. You are paying too much for your cell phone coverage. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile's social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country you never go into. Stop paying for the added perks you never use. Instead, just get what you need from your cell phone provider. I'm talking about Pure Talk. Pure Talk gives you killer 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of the big guys for about half the cost. The average family is saving over $800 a year. So what's your excuse? I made the switch. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Get unlimited talk, text, six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And listen, if you still want unlimited data, you can get it and still save a fortune. Head on over to puretalk.com, shop for the plan that's right for you. They have a 30-day risk-free guarantee, so you literally have nothing to lose. Head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code SHAPIRO. You will save 50% off your very first month of coverage. That is puretalk.com. Use promo code SHAPIRO. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Why spend so that all of these other companies can pay for their overhead? Instead, just buy what you need from Pure Talk. Head on over to puretalk.com, promo code SHAPIRO. Save 50% off your very first month, and you will be saving hundreds of bucks down the road. Okay, so Joe Biden is now facing down a bunch of fiscal issues, all hitting at the exact same time. According to the Wall Street Journal, 
Joe Biden is headed into a tumultuous week, along with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. A slew of high-stakes deadlines will collide on Capitol Hill this week, setting up potentially chaotic negotiations against a backdrop of expiring government funding and the threat of a possible U.S. default. Even by the standards of a capital used to operating under pressure, this week's maelstrom of legislative and fiscal cross-currents is setting the stage for an extraordinary sprint. Democratic leaders are trying to shepherd two complicated legislative packages, a roughly $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill, and a sprawling healthcare education climate package whose proposed $3.5 trillion price tag and contents are still under intense debate within the party. So those are two issues, right? You've got the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which is about a trill, and that is going to pass because it has support in the Senate of the United States from some of the quote-unquote Republican moderates. But the reason the Republican moderates were going to pass that is because they were not pairing it with this $3.5 trillion bill. The problem for the Democrats is that a bunch of progressives in the House are saying, we're not going to support the bipartisan infrastructure bill unless you support the $3.5 trillion bill. And a bunch of moderates in the Senate are like, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to support the bipartisan infrastructure bill, but not the $3.5 trillion price tag. So basically, you now have a prisoner's dilemma in which the progressives and the moderates inside the Democratic Party are at wit's end. They are at a standoff right now. The moderates want precisely the opposite of what the progressives want. And there's not really a great way of bridging that gap unless you have serious presidential leadership, which you don't because Joe Biden is a vacuum at the top of the United States government, which, you know, thank God for that. Because the fact is that if Joe Biden had any leadership capacity at all, he'd be cutting a deal right now or at least pushing the progressives. But he is not because he is an empty vessel who has decided that his greatest legacy for the future is going to be ramming through spending no matter what it takes because he understands that he is a one-term president. At the same time as both of those issues, which really ought not be paired, have been paired, by Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, right? They're pairing these two issues for no reason other than the progressives want them paired. They don't have to be paired. The Democrats could today pass that $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure package. Nancy Pelosi could bring that up for a vote in the House and it would pass. It would because presumably they'd get enough votes from House Republicans to put it over the top, even if the progressive Democrats didn't go along with it. The problem she has is that she also wants to pass that giant $3.5 trillion bill. And the moderates in the Senate don't want to do that. So she's trying to wrap this all up in a ball and saying you only get one if you get the other. But that's not going to work because Republicans are going to filibuster that giant $3.5 trillion infrastructure package, forcing the Democrats to use reconciliation. And Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, the so-called moderate senators from West Virginia and Arizona, have said that they are not on board with that. She's trying to pair them on behalf of the progressives when she should be trying to separate them on behalf of the moderates. And that would solve all the problems because there is a third problem which is that the Republicans are not willing to raise the debt ceiling so long as Democrats are going to use reconciliation in order to ram through the $3.5 trillion package. Republicans are saying, listen, you want to raise the debt ceiling? Fine, do it. You have to pair it with your $3.5 trillion package and see how that goes for you. See if Manchin and Cinema are willing to go along with raising the debt ceiling and the $3.5 trillion and then own it. Democrats don't want to own it. They want Republicans to vote along with them on raising the debt ceiling. Republicans are saying, we're not going to do that unless you jettison this $3.5 trillion plan. So you have this basically the end of a of a Quentin Tarantino film, right? It's Reservoir Dogs. Everybody's just pointing their guns at each other. And it's just a question of who fires first. At the same time as all this is happening, the government's funding is set to expire 12.01 a.m. on Friday, October 1st. That would partially shut down the government if Congress doesn't act. Lawmakers are feuding over who's responsible for raising the debt limit and avoiding a potentially catastrophic default. Absent swift action, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen notified Congress this month, Treasury may be unable to keep paying all of the government's bills on time during October. So first of all, whenever there's a government shutdown for any period of time, the media lose it and no one else does. Because everybody who's an essential worker gets their back pay. There's no chance that the government remains shut down for an indefinite period of time. Eventually, the government always gets funded. Always and forever. Whether it is raising taxes or whether it is 
or or whether it is passing another bill, like they, they are going to do something to to get the government funded. And the government will always be, it's just a question of the delay. And the media always try to talk up government shutdown as though people are dying in the streets and it's zombie apocalypse out there. We've been through several of these at this point. And the only thing that happened is that Barack Obama last time around actively shut down a national park that was in the outdoors, in the open air, to piss off World War II veterans so that we could pretend that anyone cared about the government shutdown. In reality, the number of people who cared about the government shutdown on a realistic level was close to zero. But the media care deeply about it because it's how they leverage everybody into just going ahead with massive government spending that blows out the deficit. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said, quote, this, the next few days, will be a time of intensity. Which is always a, a frightening line from Nancy Pelosi. The week could also test the leadership of President Biden, according to the Wall Street Journal, who's been battered with criticism over his handling of the Afghanistan withdrawal. We'll get to that in a second. And the recent surge of Haitian immigrants at the southern border. We will also get to that in one moment because Biden is facing crisis on pretty much every front. I mean, literally every front, like in Afghanistan, on the southern border, and domestically. The Senate is expecting to vote Monday evening on a measure extending the government's funding through December 3rd, 2021, and suspending the debt limit into December 2022. It's expected to be blocked by, Demo by Republicans, leaving the matter unresolved. Democratic leaders have not spelled out what their next step will be, but Pelosi reiterated Sunday the government would not go into partial shutdown. She said Democratic leaders are preparing to bring up a short-term spending patch, which has bipartisan support to avoid that outcome. So Republicans are saying, fine, you know, we're not going to raise the, the, the debt limit, but what we are going to do is fund it for the next couple of weeks. Or we'll fund it for the next couple of weeks because then it's up to you, right? We've given you the time to go work this out on your own, but we are not going to greenlight a massive increase in the debt ceiling. Democrats are like, well, the debt ceiling is paying for bills we've already incurred. Yes, but you are now asking for taking out a second credit card and Republicans are just saying no to that until you get your spending under control. It is true that we have to pay off the debt that we have already incurred. But why would I keep extending you a line of credit if you are just going to blow out the credit continuously without getting your house in order? There should be strings attached. Representative Debbie Dingell, Democrat of Michigan, she said, we're going to shut the government down in the middle of a pandemic. It's the most irresponsible action that anyone can really, I can think of some more irresponsible action than that. Namely, blowing out the budget to the tune of $7 trillion this year. I could imagine that would be pretty irresponsible considering that we are now facing severe inflationary pressure as well as economic stagnation on the other end. As the Wall Street Journal points out, averting a partial government shutdown this weekend would resolve only one of the handful of complex legislative battles. A partisan fight over raising the debt limit has started to infuse anxiety into financial markets. Republicans are refusing to vote for a suspension or increase in the debt ceiling, pointing to Democrats' decisions to pass a $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief bill with no GOP support earlier this year and current efforts to pass that $3.5 trillion package of social and climate programs along party lines. Senator Pat Toomey, who is a fiscal conservative, he is the Republican from Pennsylvania. He sits on the Senate's budget and finance committees. He said he might very well vote for a clean continuation of funding so that the government will continue running. But he said there will be no attempt to raise the debt ceiling by Republicans. He said they are in the midst of an absolutely unprecedented, very damaging spending spree on a scale we've never seen. They want us to come along and authorize the borrowing to help pay for it when we are totally opposed to what they are doing. So the, the Democrats are trying to blame this on the Republicans, but can, since they are in complete control of, of Congress, that's going to be a tough push. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the clothes you wear. So I only wear one type of T-shirt. I'm talking about Cuts Clothing. Cuts, it's super comfortable. It fits you great. It really looks good. I'm telling you, Cuts Clothing is the tops. It really is fantastic. If you strive for excellence in every aspect of your life, you need to check out Cuts Clothing. 
Cuts shirts, polos, hoodies, crew sweatshirts. They're made for the man who works hard, plays hard, never settles for less, all in the sport of business. Built for performance in the boardroom, the bar, or the gym, Cuts clothing keeps you sharp wherever the game takes you. Take a plain tee, make a Tony Stark. The bleeding edge of fabric technology meets the man, confident enough to wear Cuts clothing. Cuts set out to create a fabric uniquely engineered for each clothing style. So for example, they've got the new Cuts hoodie. They developed the Hyperloop French Terry fabric. It's a textile that's temperature controlled and ageless. You don't need to take it off and you won't want to. Or you can try the wrinkle-free Pika Polo, a design that keeps you fitted for the office, the golf course at home, the gym, or your next hot date. Again, I pretty much only wear Cuts clothing. At this point, it is just that good. It's not just a lifestyle. It's not just clothing. It's office leisure apparel for the sport of business. Get 15% off your first order by going to CutsClothing.com slash Ben. That's CutsClothing.com slash Ben for 15% off the only shirt worth wearing. Okay, so the Democrats are facing down all of this. At the same time, by the way, that transitory inflation seems to be lasting quite a while. Remember that time they kept talking about transitory inflation? Oh, it's transitory. It's going away. It's transitory inflation. Well, it's not transitory inflation. It's pretty severe systemic inflation. And the Federal Reserve is worried about it enough that now they're talking about tapering. They're talking about raising the interest rates, which, by the way, is the only thing that solidified markets last week in the middle of all of this. The markets are looking for some sign of fiscal responsibility from either the Federal Reserve or Congress. Congress has spent the last 20 years basically forcing the Federal Reserve to do all fiscal policy. If they wanted stimulus, they just had the Federal Reserve do it through quantitative easing. If they wanted the markets to tighten up, they forced the Federal Reserve to do it. The Federal Reserve became essentially the financial kingmaker in American politics. Well, now the Federal Reserve is saying, okay, well, I'm noticing that people are a little skittish and we are going to have to taper a little bit. That is because of inflationary pressures. By the way, inflation is the way that you debase a currency. Inflation is the way that you debase people's savings. It's a way that you steal political power from people and bring it towards centralized government. Okay, that is agreed upon by people from right to left. Everybody from Frederick Hayek to John Maynard Keynes was well aware that inflation was the way that you destroy an economy. And that is precisely what the Federal Reserve is afraid of right now as well. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's like, okay, fine. Well, if, you, if you're, you guys are going to taper, I'm just going to spend. I'm just going to spend. According to the Wall Street Journal, all year, the Federal Reserve's message on inflation has been consistent. This year's surge, it's transitory. Inflation will soon return close to the central bank's 2% target. Now, first of all, I'm very much against the idea that the central bank should be setting a 2% target on inflation. Why? Because what that means is that over the course of 20 years, your savings are worth 40% less. I know that we're never supposed to look over the course of 20 years because as Keynes said, in the long run, we're all dead. But that's not even the long run. That's the medium run. Right? If, if the Federal Reserve keeps inflating the currency at 2% a year over the course of 10 years, your money in the bank is worth 20% less than it was when you started. It is a way to force you to spend, right? That is what it is. It is a way to force you to invest. You, like savings are bad, according to the Federal Reserve. Now, I'm not in favor of the notion that the Federal Reserve should be setting a standard of inflation. By the way, I don't think the Federal Reserve should have been tasked with full employment as their goal. Since when is it the job of a, a regulatory agency full employment? It should be the job of the Congress to ensure employment if that is what they care about. Although employment is a byproduct of a healthy economy, it is not the goal of a healthy economy. In any case, if the Wall Street Journal says, if you look more closely, it's clear officials are turning less sanguine about inflation. That explains a growing eagerness to raise interest rates. Last September, long before supply bottlenecks emerged, the median forecast by Fed officials was for core inflation, excluding food and energy, in 2022 of 1.8%. Every few months since then, they've nudged that up. In the forecast released Wednesday, they see core inflation next year at 2.3%. While current year forecasts get pushed around by a lot of temporary factors like a jump in oil prices, the next year forecasts reflect where inflation is expected to settle once those temporary factors recede. 
The message from the Fed's latest projections is that transitory is lasting an awfully long time. Indeed, next year's projected 2.3% is the highest next year core inflation forecast since the projections were first published in 2007, according to Derek Tang of Monetary Policy Analytics, which is why the Fed is accelerating plans to raise the interest rates. The Fed is currently buying $120 billion a month in bonds and wants that to start to fall to zero before it starts to raise rates. On Wednesday, the Fed signaled it would be likely to start tapering at bond purchases in November. That means the process would be over by mid-2022, clearing the way for a rate increase. Now, as I've said, inflation is actually not my core worry here. My core worry is that when you regulate business, when you tell business that the government is going to run it, when you say that the entire American economy should run on principles of equity set by the central bank and the government of the United States, what you are going to do is cause stagnation. You're going to get secular stagnation, Japanese style, from the 1990s. Which is, by the way, Joe Biden agrees with that, which is why he has forecast that over the next 10 years, the American economy is going to grow like 1.5, 1.6%. Those are terrible numbers. Those are very bad numbers. They don't even outpace inflation. You can talk about increase in wage numbers solely due to inflation, but real wages are not going to increase if the economic growth doesn't outpace inflation. Okay, but Joe Biden is confident that he's going to spend and he's going to lie to you about all of this stuff. What Democrats really don't want to talk about at this point is who's going to pay for this and what are the actual goals of this policy other than to make the American people more dependent on government, other than to get the American people into a warm bath and hook them up to an IV and wait for them to bloat themselves to death. So Joe Biden is just lying now, right? He went out over the weekend and he says, you know, this $3.5 trillion package, people keep saying that's expensive. Well, actually, the cost is zero. Okay, used car salesman, explain to me how a $3.5 trillion spending package from the government, which makes no money. The government is not an independent producer of money. The government of the United States can only make money by selling bonds that eventually have to be paid for by tax dollars or by taxing you directly. That is the only way that the federal government is not a money-making entity. It is a money-printing entity. That is not the same thing. Joe Biden says, however, don't worry, this $3.5 trillion package, it costs, actually it costs zero. We talk about price tags. The, it is zero price tag on the debt. We're paying. We're going to pay for everything we spend. So they say it's not, you know, people, understandably, well, you know, it started off at $6 trillion, Now it's $3.5 trillion, Now it's going, it going to be $2.9. It's going to be zero. Zero. Because in, the, in that plan that I put forward and I said from the outset, I said, I'm running to change the dynamic of how the economy grows. Okay, um, that's crazy. So the cost is zero. The cost is zero because he says he's going to pay for it. Okay, number one, he's not. He's lying because all of his baseline budgeting for spending goes out over 15 years. And all of the tax revenue he's talking about is raised over the course of longer than that. It's like a 10-year budget. It's the reverse. It's like a 10-year budget. And then it's like a 15-year tax revenue scheme. Okay, beyond that, he is forecasting tax revenue that is unlikely to occur because of his economic policy. Finally, even if he were not lying, even if his actual plan encompassed the taxation to cover the plan, that doesn't make the cost zero. That makes the cost precisely what the cost is. If I go down to the local grocery store and I buy a gallon of milk for five bucks, that cost me five bucks. Just because I paid for it doesn't mean that it was the cost was zero. In what insane world is the cost zero when I pay for a thing? What in the world is he talking about? The answer is he's lying because they have to lie to you because if they don't lie to you, you might say, wait a second, we're spending money on what now? What are you talking about? <laughs> we'll get to more of this in just a second. First, let's talk about the fact that your sleep quality should not be compromised. Okay, so I flew yesterday, got in real late, went to kids, put in bed late, finally got on that mattress, 
Finally, when I was ready to settle down, I needed to be on my Helix Sleep mattress because it was made just for me. Helix Sleep has a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. Everybody's unique. Helix knows that. They have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. Even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. So, if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress you're matched to, the mattress comes directly to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. We love our Helix Sleep mattress. You will too. Why wouldn't you? It's made just for you. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pills for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. So this is Joe Biden's pitch, is that his agenda is free. Literally, he says this. He tweeted out today, my Build Back Better agenda costs zero dollars. Zero. Instead of wasting money on tax breaks, loopholes, tax evasions for big corporations and wealthy, we can make a once-in-a-generation investment in working America. And it adds zero dollars to the national debt. Okay, that's just a lie. It's just a lie. It's going to add zero dollars to the national debt. He's setting in place programs that are going to have to be paid for, not annually, not triannually, perennially. Okay, these programs are permanent. This is what Democrats do. They set up programs that are supposedly going to sunset five, 10 years from now. They never sunset. They only grow. These programs are going to be permanent entitlements in American life. Joe Biden knows this. Democrats know this. The notion that we're paying for this stuff is absolute utter horse crap. It is not true. The Build Back Better agenda costs $0. By the way, I love how he characterizes this. When he says, instead of wasting money on tax breaks, okay, a tax break is not wasting money. It's not your money. It's not your... It's not your money. Okay, that, that is like saying that if I pay back the credit card company, that I'm wasting money. I'm not, no, it's not my money. It's the credit card company's money. Okay, in this particular situation, the government is you and the credit card company is the American people. If the American people get back some of their money, that is not you waste, that is not the state wasting money. That is the state not spending money it doesn't have. Tax breaks are not the government wasted, it wasn't the government's money. It didn't come from you. What in the world are you talking about? That's like saying if I steal your wallet and it has $100 in it and I give you $20 back, that somehow I have wasted that $20. It wasn't my money in the first place. I can't steal your wallet, give you your money back and then be like, oh yeah, by the way, I just wasted money. Look how generous I am. You know what'd be better is if I took that money and invested it. And then you say, what are you investing in? Like the stock market? Nope. I'm investing it in a personal entitlement program called a lease on a Ferrari. Like that is what Joe Biden is doing when he says it's an investment. An investment in what? In the growth of the economy? No, because he himself is proclaiming that the economy is going to grow at less than 2% over the next 10 years. So what exactly is he quote unquote investing in? And why is it that when there's an investment, typically the way we refer to an investment is there is an ROI. There's return on the investment. If I invest in the stock market and I lose 10% every single year, that's a, that's a crappy investment. But Joe Biden thinks it's an investment to blow money on random government programs. Why? Because what is he investing in? He's not investing on actual financial growth. He's not investing on actual financial return. He's not giving your money back to you at any point. He's not taking your money and investing it for you the way Warren Buffett would. He's taking your money. He's blowing it on. What he's investing in is Democratic voters. That is the plan. The plan is when he says 
is a once-in-a-lifetime investment. He means I'm going to invest in a bunch of people to vote for me. I'm going to bribe them to vote for me and for my party until the end of time by giving them things. I'm going to enshrine in American life more and more government spending and more and more government dependency so that you will keep voting for a larger and larger government bloat program that reorients the United States away from free markets and toward top-down controlled markets in order to pay for all of this garbage. That is what Joe Biden is investing in. He's not investing in growth. He's not investing in a stronger America. He's investing in dependency. We all know this. Nancy Pelosi is doing the same thing, by the way. She says, let's not talk about things like money at a time like this. Money is... What, what is money? It's just a concept. You know, some people use shells. Some people, some people have used bonds. We, we use happy dreams and, and unicorn poop. This will be paid for. So when some say, oh, well, what about inflation? It will be paid for. And that's the, the beauty of it, by having those in our, our economy and society who have not paid their fair share, paying their fair share. So again, the Senate and the House, those who are not in full agreement with the president's right. Let's see what our value, let's not talk about numbers let's, and dollars. Let's talk about values. Ah, values, values. Yes, your value is that you wish to centralize as much power in the federal government as humanly possible and to confiscate money, not just from people who are alive now, but future generations who have not yet been born. And then use this to buy your own way into the history books because history treats very kindly activism, government activism. A president's, who are unbelievably crappy at their jobs, get treated as American heroes so long as they blow out the spending. If your FDR or LBJ can be unbelievably crappy at your job, and it does not matter, you are treated as an American hero, as a transformational figure in American life. If you're Woodrow Wilson, until very recently, you were treated as a transformational hero in American life, specifically because you strayed from the constitutional limited government vision of the founding fathers. If you're Calvin Coolidge, you're very bad. If you're Orange G. Harding, you're very bad. You know, you look at the 1920s in American life, I'm constantly struck by this. If you look at the growth rates in the United States during the 1920s, for example, they're really, really, really high, right? There's a reason that the 1920s were called the Roaring Twenties. Then you look at the 1930s, and the 1930s were a lost decade in terms of American growth. The 1930s were a garbage time for the American economy. They were horrific. Not just the American economy, the world economy. But the American economy prolonged the Great Depression by embracing top-down centralized government policies courtesy of FDR. But who is considered a good president? Is it the president? of the 1920s, who actually presided over a booming American economy? Is it Warren G. Harding and Calvin Coolidge who are considered the good presidents? No, they're very bad. If you look at the historical rankings of those presidents, the historians say, oh, those were do-nothing presidents. They didn't do anything. All they did was preside over massive growth of American, uh, of American economic power. You know, there's a great president, FDR, who presided over America's complete economic collapse for over a decade. That guy was great. You know why? Because he installed these programs that we like ever so much. Right. The best American presidents, according to the historical crowd, are the presidents who blow out the spending. This is why in 20 years, the presidents who are going to be considered great by the historians, assuming that it's the same group of people writing the history books, are going to be people like Obama. And Bill Clinton will have been forgotten. Doesn't matter that Bill Clinton, a Democrat, presided over a rapidly growing economy in the 1990s thanks to his moderate economic policy, which he crafted in conjunction with the Republicans. Barack Obama, who had the slowest economic recovery in modern American history, will be, will be considered a great president because he enshrined big government spending. And Joe Biden knows this, which is why he is pushing this. Okay, now, there's one problem for Joe Biden in all of this, and this is he can't get his own party together. And the reason he can't get his own party together is because there are people still, like Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin, who are subject to voters who are not crazy. Right? There's a bunch of senators who are in deep blue states, where the deep blue states just feel like we can blow out the federal budget no matter what, doesn't really matter. But... The moderates and the progressives are still very highly divided over a series of issues. 
So Democrats, for example, according to the Wall Street Journal, are divided on five key issues. They're divided on health care. Democrats are wrestling with funding for and duration of three central health care provisions, an extension of Obamacare subsidies, Medicare coverage for dental, vision, and hearing, and an effort to provide health care coverage for some people in Republican-led states that haven't expanded Medicaid. So the progressives want to expand all of these things. They particularly want to expand Medicare. Why? Because Bernie Sanders has said for a long time, Medicare for all. Right? He, doesn't want you to per- he doesn't want you to personally purchase supplemental insurance to Medicare. Instead of Medicare being a baseline insurance provided to you when you get old, instead, Medicare is supposed to be a comprehensive insurance service that is essentially NHS. It's, a, it's essentially the UK nationalized healthcare service for old people. And then we will gradually expand that backwards in age, right? That is Bernie Sanders' pretty open plan. He's pretty obvious about this. Pelosi says that all three of these priorities will be in the final bill, but that could become increasingly challenging if moderate Democrats push for a lower amount of overall spending. The healthcare puzzles becomes even more complicated because Kirsten Cinema and some centrist lawmakers in the House are opposed to the Democratic proposal to quote unquote lower prescription drug costs by giving Medicare the ability to negotiate drug prices with pharmaceutical companies. Their plan could quote save as much as five hundred billion dollars over a decade, money that Democrats are counting on to pay for all of these big spending plans. So what they want to do, the Democrats, is they want to use the federal government in order to negotiate directly with drug companies, and by negotiate we mean cram down on drug companies, particular drug prices. And then the quote-unquote savings that we earn from that, we are going to then use on Medicare, Medicaid, ACA expansion. There's only one problem with this. When you cram down pricing on drug companies, what do you think the drug companies do? All they do is not provide more drugs. Patents will be lost. These businesses will be offshored. People will incorporate their businesses elsewhere. There's a reason the vast majority of medical patents on planet Earth happen in the United States. That drives the economy. Or you could be like Canada. You could live off the fat of the land trying to negotiate with these drug companies separately and assume Americans are going to pay the freight for that and Americans pay the freight by virtue of the higher drug prices. But what they get in response for that, what they get in return for that is that all these drug companies work for the United States. Okay, those are the choices. There is no third choice where they continue to provide drugs at, these, at this government-negotiated artificially low price and then also continue to develop new drugs. That is not the way this works. Also, the Democrats are divided over long-term home care and child care. Mr. Biden's plan calls for $400 billion in funding for home health care for the elderly and disabled. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin has balked at spending that much, as have other centrists. The House Energy and Commerce Committee drew up a $190 billion expansion plan to help the elderly and disabled stay in their homes. Senator Bob Casey has his own $250 billion plan. It's a lot of money. Progressives worry an insufficiently funded plan won't be able to achieve its objectives. Okay, well, one of the reasons Democrats are pushing for this is because they're also also pushing for home health care workers and child care workers to be effectively unionized. Right? They want to treat all of those people as union employees. Right? This is their goal, is they don't want them to be able to be treated as individual employees. They want them to be treated as unionized employees. It's a major issue in terms of right to work. Democrats are also divided on climate. The centerpiece of the Democrats' plan to address the climate crisis is the Clean Electricity Performance Program, which would pay utilities that switch to clean energy and penalize those that don't, because clean energy has been such a boon in places like Texas. Okay, it has not been. That is me being incredibly cynical and sarcastic because these clean energy programs have basically just made power extraordinarily more expensive and less reliable in most places around the United States. Utilities that increase their use of clean energy by 4% every year would get money from the feds. Those that fail to do so would get hit with a fine. But Joe Manchin comes from West Virginia, which is a coal state. So he's like, nope, not interested in that. Meanwhile, on immigration... Democrats are seeking a path forward after the Senate parliamentarian ruled they could not include a pathway to citizenship for millions of illegal immigrants. Democrats are still trying to find a way around all of this. 
One possibility they've considered is to update an immigration law known as the registry, which would allow anyone present in the country earlier than a certain date to become a legal permanent resident. So basically make DACA permanent. They're also divided on taxes. Senior Democrats on the Senate Finance Committee and House Ways and Means Committee have prepared a long menu of options to pay for the spending, along with tax credits that will add to the bill's overall cost. Progressives and centrists are divided on a new corporate tax tax rate anywhere between 21% and 26.5%. By the way, we are now going to have a corporate tax rate that is higher than China's if the Democrats get what they want. They want to raise the top individual tax rate, and they want to include measures to raise taxes on private equity managers' capital gains and supersize Roth IRAs used by the quote-unquote ultra-wealthy as opposed to everybody else. Capital gains apparently no longer apply to people who are not ultra wealthy, which is weird because it turns out that a huge percentage of Americans own stocks. Also, the top line cost is at issue. So Democrats are divided over all of these issues. And Joe Biden has no coattails. Joe Biden has no ability to whip his own caucus into shape. We'll get to that in just one moment. The reason he has no ability to whip his own caucus into shape is because he refused to actually govern the way he campaigned. He was always a Trojan horse. What he wanted to be as president is not what the American people wanted him to be as president. He's feeling the pain of that, but it's not stopping him. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, the lockdowns of the last year and a half have created this huge pent-up demand in terms of employment. There's like 10 million open jobs in the United States and not enough people to fill them. This means that if you're an employer and you need to find the best possible employee, it's kind of hard. You're kind of searching for a needle in the haystack. This is why you need ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send your job to over 100 top job sites, giving you access to their network of millions of job seekers. ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans resumes to find qualified candidates for your open roles and then proactively presents them to you. You can easily review recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job. That encourages them to apply faster. According to ZipRecruiter internal data, jobs where employers invite candidates to apply get two and a half times more candidates. ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. We'll get to all the rest of the news in just one moment. We haven't even gotten to the Biden administration just continually lying, I mean, openly lying about Border Patrol. It's insane. First, You deserve to wake up to the facts. This is why we started our newest podcast, Morning Wire, which has been topping the Apple and Spotify charts since its recent release. It's the only daily news podcast that values your time and the truth. And while we're working overtime to bring you the news you need to know, we need your help to keep the facts trending toward number one. So please subscribe, start listening now to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So Joe Biden continues to try and ram this thing through, but he does not have any coattails. So Joe Manchin is saying there's no timeline. He's saying, listen, you guys keep pushing this $3.5 trillion plan. There's no reason for it. There really is no reason for it. If you want to do it, do it later. Right now, we should be watching and waiting the economy. But Joe Biden is trying to ram all this through at once because he refuses to put pressure on the so-called progressive caucus. This is something Playbook is reporting, and it's kind of shocking. Again, the, the reality is that Joe Biden is basically not putting pressure right now on the people who ought to be pressured, namely the progressive wing. According to Politico, moderate Democrats expected Biden to start twisting House progressives' arms during their White House meeting last week. But we're told by sources in the progressive camp and another senior Democratic aide that the president has neither asked progressives to drop their demand that the reconciliation bill pass in tandem with the bipartisan infrastructure bill, nor pressured them to accept a standalone vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill this week. At least not yet. This has infuriated moderates. A moderate source said, quote, the president needs to pick up the phone and call people. 
The person argued the White House has been in listening mode for too long, needs to start banging heads to get this vote over the finish line. It's not just moderates that are dismayed. There are a lot of mistakes happening here, said the senior Democratic aide. There's no whip effort on the bipartisan infrastructure bill yet. Everything is hanging by a thread. Biden needs to be more engaged. Progressives, for their part, believe that Biden and Pelosi are with them. One House progressive said, quote, no one has made the case to progressives or lobbied for them to change their position and vote for it before the Build Back Better Act. In fact, the White House, when we were there on Wednesday, was very much in the same position. There was agreement that we need both bills. So what exactly is Pelosi going to do if Schumer and the White House don't get a reconciliation deal hatched out with Manchin or Cinema by Thursday? No clue. No idea. So Pelosi keeps saying she's happy talking this thing. She says, we're going to pass this bill this week. But she said she's also not going to bring a bill to the floor that does not have the vote. So either there will be a magic moment in which Democrats come together here or Joe Biden's agenda is in serious, serious trouble as well. It should be. By the way, it is worth noting here that the Biden inability to get policy done here is forcing the Federal Reserve to basically come out of the closet as a political actor, which has been for a very, very long time. The supposed independence of the Federal Reserve is kind of a joke and has been kind of a joke all the way since the FDR administration. It's been an open secret that the Federal Reserve is pretty clearly manipulated by whoever is sitting in the White House at the time. And that is obvious with regard to Joe Biden. I mean, Janet Yellen went from being the Federal Reserve head to the Treasury Secretary with no gap, none. So right now, the Federal Reserve is is already making noises saying, well, you know, if we don't pass this, if we don't pass these bills, if we don't get this this debt ceiling lifted, we're going to have to take some really strong measures. Like what? What are you going to do that you haven't been doing before? Jerome Powell says the options include the Fed buying Treasury securities in default on the open market and selling treasuries owned by the Fed to counteract potentially severe strains in financial markets. Right? The idea would be that in order to inject liquidity into the markets, the Federal Reserve is going to just start basically printing money and then buying bonds. in order. So more quantitative easing, essentially. Wow, never seen that before. You're going to use a tool that you've been using extensively for the last 20 years? I, wow, I'm shocked. Among the officials who said such steps it could not be ruled out were Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen. Oh, shocker. Powell called the measures loathsome. Others called them repugnant or beyond the pale for two main reasons. First, they would pierce the Fed's institutional preference to avoid directly financing the government, often referred to as its independence from fiscal policy. Wow. Yes, I, yes, that, that, that fabled Fed independence. Don't pierce that. By God. No, no, stop it. Second, Fed officials worry if such contingency planning became public, elected officials might feel less urgency to raise the debt limit. Yes, because the debt limit is a bunch of garbage anyways. We say the Federal Reserve is in control anyway. It's been in control for quite a long time. And so bottom line is that Joe Biden is having trouble getting his caucus together. He should be having trouble getting his caucus together. And all the pressure right now is on Manchin and Cinema to cave. But Manchin and Cinema have some pretty strong incentives not to cave. So it'll be fascinating to watch how all of this plays out this week. If Manchin and Cinema cave, then both of them need to go and go forthwith, obviously. And by the way, by the way, the bipartisan infrastructure bill will die because the basic deal here needs to be that counter active pressure needs to be brought on people like Mitt Romney and Susan Collins and all the people who signed on to the bipartisan infrastructure bill, the Rob Portmans of the world. If the Democrats decide to ram through both of these at the same time, then Republicans need to force the Democrats to shovel all that bipartisan infrastructure garbage into the broader budget plan. Let them pass a $4.6 trillion budget. If they really want to own it all together, they can pass it all as one giant reconciliation bill. Otherwise, those Republicans need to push back. And by the way, my understanding is they will. The reason that Manchin and Cinema have been siding against this giant budget bill is because specifically they are they are in favor of the bipartisan infrastructure bill and they know that that one's more popular. So they are siding with one over the other. 
So if they cave, Republicans need to push back by abandoning that bipartisan infrastructure bill. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, financial experts thought we were in the clear. While experts anticipated rate cuts from the Fed, inflation in the United States remains a significant economic concern. Think about it. The U.S. is in the hole by $34 trillion, but we're going to continue to print money and borrow money, which means the prices that you pay every day are going to continue to rise. So we can either bury our heads in the sand or we could, you know, do the smart thing that you do financially, which is diversify. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation. Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. You're not going to pay a penny out of pocket. Gold is part of my savings strategy. I get my gold from Birch Gold. They've been the exclusive gold partner of The Daily Wire for over seven years now, literally helping thousands of our listeners. They can help you too. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist about protecting your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text Ben to 989898. Right now, again, diversification, just a smart fiscal strategy. Go check them out right now. Text Ben to 989898 to get started. Okay, meanwhile, it is unbelievable how lies that are told by the social justice left just become quote unquote fact. They're laundered as fact through our fact checking apparatus and through our media, and no one seems to care. So, one of the things that, that we have been following here pretty closely at the Daily Wire is the new standards and practices set up by Facebook. So, Facebook admitted. That for the past year, they've been suppressing conservative content, essentially, which we've known because we've seen our own traffic statistics. Some of the metrics that they use in order to determine what stuff to suppress is, quote unquote, fact-checked material. And they say this openly now, that if something has been fact-checked, even if what is fact-checked is, quote unquote, missing context, they will just downgrade the distribution of that material. Now, missing context is a designation that fact-checkers, left-wing fact-checkers, frequently use in order to ding conservative content that is not untrue. So we print a true story, and then PolitiFact says missing context, by which they mean that what we said is true. They just don't like that what we said is true. And then Facebook downgrades our content. And meanwhile, the fact checkers let complete lies just go com just utterly unquestioned in the mainstream media, which again plays back into the Facebook metrics. Okay, Facebook gives credit to quote unquote widely trusted sources. Well, what, what makes a source widely trusted? What makes a source widely trusted is that it is in fact checked. That's what makes a source widely trusted. So legacy media have basically re-enshrined their own monopoly on dissemination of information via the big social media companies like Facebook. That's why they were pushing Facebook so hard, right? All these big companies, the New York Times and the Washington Post, they have columnists who spend every single day just pushing Facebook to restrict dissemination of information, whether it's the Hunter Biden story in the lead up to the election or whether it is conservative coverage of the border, all that stuff has to be suppressed. And the way that they do that is they have these quote-unquote nonpartisan fact-checkers ding every conservative outlet and let open lies by the mainstream media go. They just pretend that these open lies by the mainstream media do not exist. Like, this is the shtick. And it is really, really effective. Because when you, when you launder bad news through the system, it magically becomes clean. And when you launder actual factual reporting from the right through the system, it becomes quote-unquote missing context. A perfect example of this. So over the past week and a half, there's been this viral photo. There's a photo that went viral of an agent, a Border Patrol agent, supposedly grabbing an illegal immigrant. And you can see his quote-unquote whip. Oh, oh, he's whipping the illegal immigrant. Okay, there's a Haitian illegal immigrant who's rushing across the border and apparently into the interior of Texas. You can see this Border Patrol agent leaning over his horse, right? This is the viral photo. Wow. And from his hand, the Border Patrol agent, you can see that there is a rain that is dangling. Now, the media started reporting over and over and over again 
that Border Patrol was whipping Haitians. And you remember Maxine Waters saying it was worse than slavery. You had columnists coming out and saying this was reminiscent of slave-catching patrols. Systemic racism. It now is a lie from the very beginning. Border Patrol agents do not have whips. There is not a single agency of the American government that is armed with whips. Yeah, that is not a thing. A Border Patrol agents have horses. Those horses are controlled by long reins, as anyone who has ever watched a Western understands. Again, not a horseman over here, but even I understand that you need reins in order to control a horse. But because the Border Patrol agents had reins and the reins were long, the notion was that these Border Patrol agents were either using full-on whips to whip people or they were using the reins in order to whip people. Okay, all of that was a lie. Not a single part of that was true. So here was the still photo. And then it turns out, as I said, remember I said that there, somebody had video of this because there are tons of reporters at the border. It turns out somebody did have video of this, of this exact incident with that picture. Here is what exactly happened on the video. I'll narrate for you if you can't see. So you can see there's a border patrol agent. He's ordering people out of the river. He's yelling at people. He's trying to turn his horse, right? He takes the reins and he spins the reins in order to turn the horse. And here is one of the Haitian illegal immigrants. And there's, there's one of them, and he's running up the hill. He's gone, right? He's making his move up the hill. The Border Patrol agent literally leans over off his horse and grabs the guy by the shirt. And that right there is the entirety of it. That's the whole thing. What you just saw is the most controversial policing procedure since George Floyd in America. I'm not kidding. That, that is what it has been, right? Hey, this is the single most taken and most distributed photo about law enforcement since the George Floyd scandal of a year ago. Now, in that particular case, George Floyd died beneath the knee of a police officer, whether or not you believe that it was causative. Okay, in this particular case, an illegal immigrant was crossing a river illegally, tried to run into the interior of Texas. A Border Patrol agent leaned over his horse and grabbed his shirt. That's it. You saw the whole video. That's the whole thing. Still is what went around, rocketed around the world, not just rocketed around the world, but became the topic of every major media show. Have any of these major sources been fact-checked on this? Any? They've all had to go back and issue corrections now, but that doesn't matter, apparently. The New York Times, for example, put out this correction. An earlier version of this article overstated what is known about the behavior of some Border Patrol agents on horseback. While the agents waved their reins while pushing migrants back into the Rio Grande, the Times has not seen conclusive evidence that migrants were struck with the reins. Okay, it turns out that waving your reins at your horse is what you do when you're riding a horse. So that's not a story. What's a story is when you smack people with the reins, but that didn't actually happen. Hey, and, and by the way, the journalist who took the photo said, uh, no, I never saw anybody whip anybody. The photographer, whose name was Paul Ratchie, was speaking with KTSM. He said he and his colleagues taking photos that day never saw any of the agents whipping the Haitian migrants they were moving. Some of the Haitian men started running, trying to go around the horses, says Ratchie. He says, quote, I didn't ever see them whip anyone with the thing. He was swinging it. I didn't see him actually whip someone with it. Those definitely can be misconstrued when you're looking at the picture. Okay, but that did not stop the Democrats from ripping on Border Patrol for over a week on this. Here was Joe Biden ripping his own Border Patrol agents. By the way, you know what would have stopped the Border Patrol agents from having to do any of this? A wall. A wall. Here, here is Joe Biden ripping his own Border Patrol agents over a complete hoax. It is just not true. Over myth-making. It was horrible what to see, as you saw. To see people treated like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped. 
It's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. They will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. It sends the wrong message around the world. It sends the wrong message at home. It's simply not who we are. It's simply not who we are? No, who we are is a bunch of senile old liars, apparently. Again, this whole thing never happened. It never happened. According to the mainstream media, the Hunter Biden story was a Russian disinformation operation. But our Border Patrol agents were openly whipping people. Our our fact-checking media, by the way, will tell you, uh, they spent a lot of time doing this a couple of weeks ago, the the Taliban were not hanging people from helicopters. That wasn't a person who was dead hanging off that helicopter, that video that you saw of somebody hanging from a helicopter. The, The Taliban would never do anything like that. And then a week later, there's stories that the Taliban are literally hanging people from cranes in the center of Herat. But, you know, they're not going to get fact-checked on that. But what what is absolute fact, according to the entire Democratic administration, is what is clearly and overtly a lie. It is a lie that Border Patrol agents were whipping people. It is not true. There's not one iota of evidence that this ever happened. And every member of the Biden administration parrots this. Every single member. Kamala Harris, who's just woking it up over at the White House, Here she is saying the images of Border Patrol evoked slavery. I was outraged by it. It was horrible and um, and, and deeply troubling. There's been now an investigation that is being conducted, which I fully support. And there needs to be consequence and accountability. Uh, Human beings should not be treated that way. And as we all know, it also evoked images of some of the worst moments of our history where that kind of behavior has been used against the indigenous people of our country, has been used against African-Americans during times of slavery. What in the world is she talking about? These are people illegally trying to enter the country. Not people who are attempting to evade the country. They're trying to come into the country. These are people who are trying to cross the border and claim asylum so they can live here. They're trying to get into the place that the Border Patrol is trying to keep them out of. Border isn't trying to recapture them and take them to a plantation. Like, what in, the, what in the hell is she talking about? And it's just a lie. Again, it's just a lie. Okay, but they don't care about the lie because the lie forwards the notion that they are part of the constant revolution. Right? This, is, this is the bigger point. The bigger point is that when, when it comes to Democrats, Democrats are interested in the lie that, that they have to do two things simultaneously, which are impossible. Okay, on the one hand, government can cure all your problems. Government can keep you safe from COVID. Government can pay all of your bills. Government can protect you from all vicissitudes of life. Government is the be-all, end-all. On the other hand, the government is racist. The government is systemically evil. The government is discriminatory. Okay, so these two things can't go together. Right? Over the course of the 20th century, these two strains of progressive thought were in complete conflict. You had the authoritarian top-down, we can solve everything, progressive caucus. And then you had the authoritarian bottom-up progressive caucus, which suggested the entire system needed to be overthrown. The compromise come to during the Obama administration was perpetual revolution from the top. Right? The notion was that if we take over the powers of government, we will be almost outsiders in our own administration. We'll sit here ripping on the structures of government until we can use our power inside the government to change the structures of government. So this is why you see the weird spectacle of members at the top of the White House ripping on the Border Patrol agents who are part of their own executive branch. How can they do that? 
because this is part of the entire strategy, which is we are the perpetual revolution and give us power. We will make we will remake the system from the inside along the basis of racial equity. This is Barack Obama's claim and Democrats have picked up on it. Democrats for a long time said, no, 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 the system is good. You just need to put us in charge and give the system more power. Now, Democrats say the system is bad. Put us in charge and give us more power. That is the goal here. And Alejandro Mayorkas, the DHS secretary, doing the exact same thing. These are images of systemic racism. In the midst of meeting these challenges, we, our entire nation, saw horrifying images that do not reflect who we are, who we aspire to be, or the integrity and values of our truly heroic personnel in the Department of Homeland Security. The investigation into what occurred has not yet concluded. We know that those images painfully conjured up the worst elements of our nation's ongoing battle against systemic racism. These people are a damned joke. They're a joke. They've been a joke for years, by the way. Going all the way back to Michael Brown, who's still perceived in in large swaths of the progressive community as some sort of secular saint. Michael Brown attacked a police officer before he was shot to death. This is the, the... Basic idea here, again, is that all that matters is the narrative. The facts are of complete non-importance. They do not matter to this administration. They don't matter in the slightest. And by the way, you're not supposed to pay attention to the fact that this administration, which said that it was not open borders, took 10 to 12,000 of those illegal immigrants. There are 15,000 people under that bridge. 10 to 12,000 of them have been released inside the United States. Did any of them get COVID tested, by the way? I've noticed we've got vaccine passports everywhere, and now we're mandating that Healthcare workers throughout the United States get vaccinated or get fired or telling businesses with more than 100 employees they must vaccinate or test their employees once a week. But if you're an illegal immigrant, come on in. No COVID test for you. Here's Alejandro Mayorkas saying 10 to 12,000 illegal immigrants have been released inside the United States. Of the 17,400 that weren't deported back or didn't return on their own to Mexico, how many of them either, well, first, how many have been released into the U.S.? Uh, They're released on conditions, and and, uh, approximately, I think it's about 10,000 or so, 12,000. Have been released? Yes. And of the 5,000 that are still in process? We will uh, make determinations whether they will be uh, returned uh, to uh, Haiti uh, based on our public health and public interest uh, authorities. So they they, um, they deported like five people. Everybody else got in. Every single other person was just released into the interior of the United States. Yep, but it's not open borders, guys. They're not open borders. I mean, I know that you're sitting there going to yourself, well, didn't Trump want to build a wall and all? Yeah, they opposed a wall, you see. Why did you allow them in the country in the first place? Why didn't you build, forgive me, a wall? or a fence to stop them from walking in this flood of people coming across the dam. It looks like a highway that allows them to cross the Rio Grande. It is this pol- the policy of this administration. Uh, we do not agree with the building of the wall. The law provides that individuals can make a claim for humanitarian relief. That is actually one of our proudest traditions. Oh, one of our proudest traditions is people crossing the Rio Grande illegally and being housed under a bridge and then being released into the interior of the United States with a show up again date. It's a, it's a proud tradition in the United States. That That's good to know. But here's the thing, guys. It's not that they hate the patrol. It's not that they hate the Border Patrol. Alejandro Mayorkas also says the Border Patrol can count on them. They, if you're a Border Patrol agent, why wouldn't you just act like police officers all over the United States have been acting and been like, you know what? Done. I'm going to sit here. I'm not doing anything. Because the minute I do something and a photographer takes something I do out of context, my career is over. 
and I'm done. So I may as well just sit here. You want these people in the country anyway. Fine. Fine. We're just going to not do our jobs. We're just going to sit here. And if you want people to cross over, done. I'm not going to participate. Here's Alejandro Mayorka saying the Border Patrol can count on them after every major member of this administration, from the president to the VP to the secretary of Homeland Security, is out there lying openly about members of Border Patrol. Can the Border Patrol count on you and President Biden, who has said the people will pay, uh, to come to an, uh, a determination based on the facts and, and not based on Twitter outrage? They sure can. And let me say uh, something about that, Jake, because I've worked very closely with the men and women of U.S. Customs and Border Protection for many years, many, many years. And I, they are heroic. They're heroic? Wait a second. I thought they, they were members of the systemically racist posse rounding up black illegal immigrants. They're heroic. They're heroic. The same message that the Democrats give with regard to the police. They're heroic, except if they do their jobs. And then if they do their jobs and we take pictures of them doing their jobs, then they're racist heroes of the KKK. It's just a pathetic administration. No wonder their popularity is declining radically as well it should be. This is an administration in very, very serious trouble. If all they get to show for it is just a giant bag of spending, even that is not going to be enough. All right, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. In the meantime, go check out the Michael Knowles Show today. He discusses House Republicans voting to make women sign up for the draft. You can check that out over right now at Daily Wire. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Post producer, Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. House Democrats vote to legalize abortion nationwide up until the moment of birth. House Republicans vote to make women sign up for the draft. And the Biden administration admits that it has released at least 10,000 illegal aliens into the country just last week. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 